people are fighting over who's going to be in control of everything. Okay, so who's going to be in charge of the money? That changes things. Also, who's going to get possibly paid and get a fee for doing the work? So being in control, or if they don't trust other people, it's not so much they want to be in control, but they want you to lose. Do you know what will happen to your loved ones when something happens to you? If you don't know the answer or don't like the answer, then this is the show for you. Listen up as we teach you about protecting your family legacy through better estate planning. Our family is here to protect yours. So welcome to the Complete Estate Planning Podcast with attorney Nick Rosenbauer. And here's your host, Ben George. Welcome in to Complete Estate Planning. Great to have you on the show today. we got a good one for you. You probably saw the title and we're like, wait, estate planning if you're already dead? What are we talking about here? Well, we're going to take you through what we mean today on the show. I'm Ben George. He's Nick Rosenbauer, estate planning attorney and owner at Rosenbauer Law Office. Nick, I know you do a lot of estate planning, right, with people every day that they come into your office and, and meet with you face to face, but I didn't realize you were working with the dead as well. Well, um, <laughs> this is going to make me sound like a... Uh, like a like I I belong to a cult or something <laughs> like that. Um, no, we we help families set things up, uh, but you know while they're still alive, and then we also help families execute the plan or kind of put it into place after someone's passed away. But one of the things we'll talk today about is what happens if someone's passed away and there is no plan, so they never got it done for one reason or another, and it's obviously after they pass away, it's too late to ask them and to get a plan done. But at the same time, we have to do something with the house. We have to do something with the car. So what the heck do we do with it? So yes, I I do uh, estate planning for dead people. Uh, (laughs) I have done it before uh, and that's been around forever because unfortunately not everyone gets their affairs in order before it's too late. Yeah, sadly, probably more people then need to or find themselves in this situation, or at least people that are uh, left behind have to deal with it. So we want to kind of sort that out today on on this show, and we'll put it up online at CincinnatiEstatePlan.com. It's also where you find uh, Nick and his team there at the Rosenbauer Law Office. And if you want to schedule an appointment, a meeting with Nick, you can do so just by visiting. You'll see the, the button on the front of the page to do so, plus a lot of other resources and blogs and other material there on the site to continue to educate you and inform you about the estate planning world. So where do we start here, Nick, with this conversation? Like, what's the the first thing you have to do if you're dealing with with this? When you you don't, we have somebody that didn't have an estate plan, and you know they've now passed, and now you're kind of sorting things out. What's step one? Well, um, I guess step one. Let's let's take a step back. We'll go with step zero first. Is okay. search the house, search the apartment, search the lockbox tear the place inside out to see if there is a plan. Um, Obviously, a lot of people put plans together and they don't tell the kids about it or they move two or three times and it's been put in boxes and put in another box or there's a safe deposit box no one knew that they had. So you'd be surprised the number of people, not what we're talking about here, where they did something they just didn't tell anyone about it. So okay. this is assuming that we've torn the house apart and we know there's no plan. You can also call if there's any information or letters where it looks like they worked with an attorney. Sometimes, and I don't like when they do this, but there's scumbag attorneys out there who will hold the estate plan hostage. 
and they'll do it under the guise of, oh, we're keeping it safe and protected, blah, blah, blah. No, Mm -hmm. they're doing it so they get a free sale, a probate sales meeting uh, for the kids. The kids have to come in for a meeting uh, when someone passes away uh, in order to get the will. Okay, it's like kind of the carrot, you know, dangling the carrot in front of uh, someone. Yeah. But assuming we have verified there's no plan or we've done our due diligence, right? So we, we, there's no plan or there's nothing we can find. There's no evidence that there is one. First thing, who the heck's going to be in charge of this? Obviously, if you have a will or a trust or something like that, you or, or the person will decide who will be in charge but we don't have that. For probates, I'm sure we've all, all of our listeners know about the term the executor. So the person who executes the will through the probate. There's a different term for that, but they do the same job uh, in this instance. It's known as the administrator, at least here in Ohio. And it's the same job, but the executor is appointed by the will. So the person who's passed away appoints them in their will the administrator is appointed by the judge um, since there is not a will uh, in place to name someone. So how do we appoint an administrator? Well, think of it like a job fair. Whoever wants to be the administrator can and, and will apply for the job, and there's paperwork to do that, and everyone gets their own attorney. If there's multiple people applying for the job or if there's conflict, uh, then the judge will have a hearing and everyone kind of shows up, states their case with their attorney, why I'm the best and they're not. It's almost like a a group job interview, if you've ever done one of those, where they have five people there and you ask each of them, what would make you the best candidate? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't know if you've ever... I don't ever think I a, have. I don't believe I, I have. I say, have Thankfully. you ever had to do or been... Have you ever had to be on the other side and be the interviewer for a group interview? Uh-uh. Neither side, thankfully. Yeah, no, me either. I, I I know people who have done it, and it's just an absolute disaster. They're kind of looking around at each other and trying to, you know, give a better answer. Well, I, I like what they said, but I do it better or something like right. that. That's what you're dealing with here. Uh, and then the judge will eventually pick someone. Usually, you know, I guess the inside lane or deference is given to a close fam- family member, so spouse if someone's married or a child. Um, if there's no spout, but not not always. But usually they have uh, the inside track, uh, so to speak, or they get first bite at the apple, just you know, naturally a close relationship. Uh, if I died tomorrow, the judge would probably be leaning towards my wife versus my third cousin, right, who lives <laughs> right. out of state. So, but it's not a, a slam dunk, okay? But they 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 have uh, uh, they have uh, they start out uh, ahead, if you will. And you can probably already see where some feuds or some conflicts could arise if everyone's not on the same page, Um, especially if multiple people want to be in charge. And then I guess, what do you do? Do you pick sides? Is it Aunt uh, Jenny or is it Uncle Chuck? Both of them want to do the job and I have to pick one of them or whose side am I on, right? Um, So, and and you see that for a couple of reasons. You may be saying, Nick, why the heck would anyone want to do this, and why would they fight over it? Wouldn't you want someone? You see someone else willing to step up, and you yeah. say, "Thank yeah, go goodness, I don't." Yeah, I don't have to do this. I'm so glad. Well, people are fighting over who's going to be in control of everything. Okay, so who's going to be in charge of the money? 
That changes things. Also, who's going to get possibly paid and get a fee for doing the work? So being in control, or if they don't trust other people, it's not so much they want to be in control, but they want you to lose. Okay, so if the family hates me, even if they don't really want to do the job, but they need to make sure that I don't become uh, the person who's in charge. Okay, right. so a couple things to be aware of there. But yeah, it all it doesn't get off the ground uh, until we go through the rigmarole and the judge picks someone to be in charge. Yeah, I go into these conversations, anything about working or dealing with someone that didn't have a plan, just to assume that there's going to be some conflict or feud along the way and some step, you know what I mean? Like I just, I know that's going to be a part of the process, which is why you want to have your, one reason why you want to have your affairs in order. But I just kind of always expect you bringing that up in some respect. Well, exactly. Now, if you hate the kids, if you hate your family, the best thing to do is nothing. (laughs) Or if you have a plan, throw it in the shredder right now. So if you want to be laughing and and just kind of, what was it? um, The, you know, if you just want when you die, you want everything to burn to the ground and everyone to ha- hate each other. Yeah. Perfect thing to do would be to put them through this process. We need to do an episode that's uh, estate planning when you don't actually like your family. Like, <laughs> you think we could pull that off? <laughs> Is that possible? Um, yeah, actually, let me let me write that down. And we'll, uh, okay, so here's a tease for everyone. Uh, next month, uh, stay tuned and we'll do an episode on estate planning uh, if you don't like your family, <laughs> there you go. Please subscribe to the podcast if if that's <laughs> of interest to you. If not, it would maybe be an entertaining conversation. But um, all right, so back to this conversation first. The administrator, whoever that ends up being, what financial responsibilities do they have? Any? Well, they have a, a number of responsibilities. Obviously, they're in charge of carrying out the instructions with no will. It'll be the instructions uh, of the local court. But on top of that, have you ever you ever heard of a bail bond? Like if someone is in jail and they post a bond to let them out of jail while they're awaiting trial. Yeah. Um, so basically, what it is is it is a it's a deposit or a security interest or collateral, hopefully enough money so that you don't skip your trial. You know, so they so basically the deal is we won't keep you in jail while you're waiting for trial. But yeah. you have to put your house up um, so we can guarantee that you'll show up for trial. Gotcha. That exists in probate court as well. Um, so there is an administrator uh, or a fiduciary bond that's basically a probate bond. And what it is, is it's for situations where they, I mean, well, it's all situations unless you can get out of it. But a prob- a fiduciary bond or a probate bond is basically collateral that the administrator, the person in charge, has to post to, I guess, put up enough money as collateral for protection so the executor or administrator in this case doesn't just take all the money and run. So, yeah, pretty exotic here. Now, the will almost always, you can waive it, okay? So you can basically override this, and almost every last will and testament does, as they should, because you know, instead of worrying about someone stealing the money, why don't you just tell me who to put in the will to be in charge of this that you trust? The family can also usually waive uh, or negate this requirement. If everyone who's involved is okay with it, they can sign off on something saying, well, 
I know Uncle Uncle Chuck is in charge. Uh, I know he normally has to post bond, but I'm okay if he doesn't. And it's expensive. Okay, it's not bail bond level uh, expensive, but it's not cheap. And a lot of times it's an insurance policy, so it's not refundable. Think about this. If there's family conflict and if people are, you know, in a fight over who should be in charge of this, eh, my hunch says not everyone's going to do it. But at the very minimum, it's a lot of extra headache and paperwork. At the worst, then you have basically a bail bond for the person in charge of the probate. That's interesting. I wasn't aware of that. I don't I don't know that but most people are aware of that. I have no idea, but I, I definitely wasn't. Uh, what's, what's next from there? What's the, the next thing you have to kind of be thinking about? We have to determine when we know who's in charge and they've, post their, they've posted their probate bond. Now we got to decide what the heck do we do with all of this? There's no will to tell me or to tell the administrator who gets what. Okay, so we have to look at how things go and we have to figure out how things go. A um, couple things. First, we look at titling of the assets or the accounts. And this is probably the first level we look at. Um, if there are beneficiary designations on accounts that are valid, that will usually control for the accounts that have them. So if there's a life insurance policy or an IRA that has my sister as the beneficiary, Assuming that wasn't forged and assuming my sister is still alive, that will pay out to her. And that's it, the end. Um, also, if there's TODs or like a transfer on death, um, that's another form of a beneficiary, usually for real estate or bank accounts would be another one, but they have a different, it's a limited beneficiary designation. But again, if I name my sister as transfer on death for my vehicle or my bank account or my house, then again, it would transfer to her. Co-ownership or joint titling is the next one to look at here. So if uh, my wife and I co-own an account, usually if one of the co-owners dies, the other co-owner retains access and becomes the sole owner on his own or her own, right? Just like a joint checking account most people have when they get married, they buy yeah. a house in joint names. This is very common. Not always, though. People use this as a, an estate planning shortcut. Not a good idea. First off, the thing I see most often for people who are trying to shortcut good estate planning, they'll put one of the kids as a co-owner on a joint bank account. Bad idea. Okay, They do it to try and handle, oh, well, I want them to help handle the bills. Okay, that's fine. But then when you die, they become the sole owner of the account. Who knows how much money is in there? And they don't have to share it. So if my dad dies, I'm one of three children. If I'm a co-owner on his money, he dies, and it's a 5000 in a checking account and 50000 in a savings account, that's 55000 That's all mine, and I don't have to share it with my siblings. Maybe I should, but I don't have to. And then there'll be that awkward, what should I do about this? And then maybe they have that awkward, well, is, is Nick just going to keep this money? So not a good idea. Um, also, in rare instances, the co-ownership does not allow the money to stay with the surviving owner. I've had things in uh, here in Ohio where husband and wife are married. They buy a house together. The deed wasn't done the right way, mm -hmm. uh, or at least the way that we commonly do it. And that was done correctly, but I think stupidly. 
um, even though it was legally effective. And when one spouse dies, I have had the surviving spouse have to probate their deceased husband or wife's half of the house to get it to them. I'm actually doing two of those right now. So this this happens. Um, So the co-ownership usually allows the surviving co-owner to keep everything, but there's reasons that's not good, and also it doesn't always work. Okay, so those are the things from a titling or a beneficiary standpoint where the money could just be directed um, by itself just based off whatever the arrangements are. Okay. Now, what about everything that's stuck? Okay, so for items that are probatable, if you will, um, they're items that are stuck in the deceased person's name only without any of these separate arrangements with the bank. Different rules. Um, And I'm going to use the lawyer answer here for what happens is it depends, which, Ben, they taught me that on day one of law school. (laughs) Maybe or it depends. I'm going to give you both. And it depends on the family situation. Okay, if we draw out the family tree, they have set rules or defaults on who gets what, uh, depending on the family situation. If you are married and you pass away, the spouse doesn't always get everything. Um, If there's no children at all, usually it will all uh, default to the spouse. Um, If all the children are joint children or shared children, usually... Again, not always. Usually it will all go to the spouse. If the deceased spouse or the person who died doesn't have any separate children, everything will go to the spouse. Even if the spouse had separate children, it won't go to them. Here's where it gets funny. If the deceased spouse, let's say husband and wife are here and husband dies first. So if the husband dies and they have maybe two children together, but maybe husband also has a child from a separate marriage, then the husband's child will get some of the money. The rest will go to the spouse. So if the deceased person has children that are not children of the spouse, then there's a whole formula. And it depends on how many kids he has, how many kids she has, how many kids they have together. Mm -hmm. It's a joke. Um, But they end up, the deceased spouse, husband's children, and husband's spouse that he leaves behind end up fighting over the money. Okay? So it's a whole lot of fun, uh, obviously. Yeah. And it makes uh, Thanksgiving and the funeral and Christmas and when they get together every year at the gravesite to honor dad or stepdad, yeah, that, that goes really well, obviously. Yeah, sure. The thought process behind that, because people say, why the heck wouldn't it all go to the spouse? Doesn't that make sense? The thought process behind that is the formula changes if the deceased, so we'll, we'll stick with the husband, say the husband has separate kids. They do that to protect husband's kids because they're worried about all the money going to wife and then wife only leaving it to her kids and cutting out husband's kids that wife technically has no family allegiance to. Okay, so that's what it is. That's why it, it works that way, or at least that's the thought behind it. So again, it, it could end up with some fighting. Um, if all the children are joint, then they don't have that restriction because the thought is, well, if I die tomorrow and everything goes to my wife, well, my children are my wife's children. I'm not worried about her cutting them out because she would be cutting her own kids out. Okay. Okay. So that's the way that works. If you are unmarried, so if someone's single, 
um, the law of, it's known as intestate, uh, which is the phrase for dying without a will. So intestate succession uh, is what you will use. And things are different, but the general rule, so for single, um, it'll start out with your own descendants. So if you have children who are alive, it will start there. If the children have passed away, their share will go to their own descendants. So it starts with your children, then grandchildren, then great-grandchildren down the line. If you have no descendants or no descendants who are alive, then it goes upward and outward. Then maybe it goes to your parents. If your parents aren't alive, your siblings, nieces and nephews, then grandparents, aunts, uncles, cousins. So if you imagine the family tree, at least here in Ohio, you look down, mm-hmm. Ben, if that makes sense. So it looks to my kids, grandkids, descendants. Then you look up and out. So then I'll look up to my parents and then the descendants of my parents, my siblings, and then their kids and their kids, and then aunts and uncles, et cetera, et cetera. You may have heard the term persterpes, um, perhaps, on, or maybe heard about it, or at least maybe you've seen it on a beneficiary form. Uh, for the company 401k or life insurance, or you may have heard someone say per stripes or per stirps. Um, It's a Latin phrase that uh, defines your descendants. Okay, so equal shares to the kids. If any of the kids are gone, their share goes to their kids on down the line. So that's typically the way it works. So that is usually what happens or some variation of the way things go if someone's unmarried. Now, One of the things you're probably thinking of, Ben, is what if you have someone you care about not married? Okay, maybe a non-married partner, a live-in boyfriend or girlfriend just didn't go through the headache. And, you know, I've had a lot of situations, Ben, where they're they're basically married. They wear wedding rings. Um, They just didn't get the uh, paper from the government for one reason or another. One thing to keep in mind is they have no inheritance rights. Um, because they're not legally married. So imagine the situation. Someone dies, and you know all of a sudden the kids are looking at dad's girlfriend or life partner who's living in dad's house. Mm-hmm. And what do you want to do there? Okay, so I'm, I'll let you take it away or let your imagination take it away on where all that goes. But not providing for that... Basically, the kids end up evicting uh, dad's girlfriend or mom's boyfriend or, or something like that. Okay, so just being boyfriend, girlfriend doesn't give you any inheritance rights. And even living there gives you no inheritance rights. I've seen a lot of these where someone was living there, someone passes away, and they get evicted. And they are put at odds with the children. Okay, so... It's not great, but this is the this is how estate planning goes uh, if we don't come up with your plan until after you're dead. Yeah. Well, that's why you want to get your plan in order, get it worked out, get it finalized, and then also keep it updated. That's the other part of that process, and that's what Nick does with his clients over at Rosenbauer Law Office. If you have any questions for him about this topic, about anything on your mind estate planning related, please feel free to reach out. CincinnatiEstatePlan.com is the website. There's a big orange button there you can click to schedule a time to meet with Nick and go through a lot of these things because it is important. And unless you don't like your family, as we talked about, you want to have these things in order, Nick. You want to get them done. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Again, I guess we're really setting ourselves up. I think we have to do uh, an episode <laughs> on estate planning if you don't like your family. Um, so I think we're kind of boxed in for that. But uh, yeah, absolutely. You come up with the plan or the government will come up with the plan. It's that simple. Um, I can't think of anyone in their right mind who would prefer to let their local uh, county probate court and their state law. So I'm sitting here thinking, do I want to come up with my plan or do I want Butler County probate court um, using the laws of the great state of Ohio to come up with it for me? Who do you think might do a better job? Who do you think's better inclined to do things the way I want? You're 100% right. You figure it out. You make the call yourself or someone else will. And in, in these cases, that someone else is the government uh, if they have to come up with a plan after it's too late. Well said. Well said, Nick. Well, we appreciate you listening to this episode of Complete Estate Planning. Plenty more on the way. Who knows? Maybe even one about when you don't like your family. We'll have to see. <laughs> but subscribe to find out because we'll have another episode coming your way in a couple of weeks. And we look forward to talking to you then. The Complete Estate Planning Podcast is brought to you by the Rosenbauer Law Office, based in Westchester, Ohio, and serving the entire Cincinnati area. The show is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and everywhere you listen to podcasts. Subscribe to the show on your favorite app today and never miss an episode. Just search for Complete Estate Planning with Nick Rosenbauer to find us or visit CincinnatiEstatePlan.com to listen to past episodes, to contact Nick, and to learn more about protecting your family legacy. That's CincinnatiEstatePlan.com. This show is for informational purposes only and does not provide any legal advice. Information on this show may not constitute the most up-to-date legal information. Please do not act or refrain from acting based solely on anything you hear on this show. This show does not form any attorney-client relationship with the Rosenbauer Law Office, LLC. Please seek the counsel of a qualified attorney before addressing your own estate planning needs.